0: Well, I'm glad that you're back tonight. I appreciate this good attendance. We're grateful for your presence, and tonight we're going to be finishing our study through the book of 1 John. Now, we'll continue to read through 1 John. Uh, Some of you are joining us in that endeavor, and we're making our second lap now through 1 John, so you still got a chance to jump in on that if you haven't already. Uh, But tonight will be our last time in 1 John, next Sunday, We'll have our joint celebration service, and remember, it's one service, and it's what time? 10 o'clock. Do we have BSF? No. So one, o- uh, I'm sorry, I <laughs> <say> one o'clock. <laughs> one service, one service, 10 o'clock, and because that's going to be an extended service, uh, and we're going to be moving shoeboxes out and everything, we're not having an evening service next Sunday night. So, so let me just give you a little framework here. We're going to finish First John tonight, next Sunday night will be the Sunday night before Thanksgiving, no evening service, then the next Sunday night will be December. It's just, it's just crazy how quickly this year is going by. All right, so here's what we're going to do tonight in the time that we have left. We're going to be going through the entire book of First John chapter by chapter. You believe that, right? You know, here, here's kind of what we've done so far. In the first night in 1 John, we, we kind of did a kind of a summary of here's what the book is about and the details and the, introducing the book to you. Then last Sunday night, we really kind of dug deep into the, the heresy that John addresses in his book, which is called Gnosticism. So tonight, what we're going to do is go back to the book and this time try to go chapter by chapter through the entire book as best possible that we can. I told you before that 1 John is an intriguing book and it's intriguing because it is both simple and profound. The reason I say that John's writing is very simple. He has a a limited vocabulary or I should say he uses a limited vocabulary, a very basic Greek vocabulary and I told you previously that it usually is the first book that beginning Greek students translate. Uh, because it's kind of the easiest book in the New Testament to translate. So it's very simple in his style, uh, but at the same time, he's very profound in his content and his concepts. At times, it's a struggle to understand all that he means by what he says and how this connects to that. So it's simple in its language. It's profound in its concepts and content. It, It really is amazing that John can say so much so profoundly with his limited vocabulary that he uses. Now, let me just kind of paint a picture for you. What was John's vocation? Do you remember before he became a follower of Jesus, what was John's vocation? Fisherman, that's right. He was a fisherman, which meant that he worked with his hands, which meant probably he wasn't trained in the rabbinical schools of his day. He didn't have the opportunity to, what we would say today, to go to seminary. I'm not saying that John was ignorant by any m- stretch of the imagination. I don't mean that at all. I just mean that, that John was a man who was probably a, a rugged individual, worked as a fisherman. He, he was one of those guys that was just a good salt-of-the-earth kind of guy, a rugged guy probably. Remember his nickname was Son of Thunder? Uh, had a, probably a big personality. Uh, but the thing that changed John's life, this is where I'm going with this. The thing that changed John's life was his relationship with Jesus. It's evident in the first four verses of this letter that John had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He didn't have a second-hand religious experience inherited from someone else. He didn't discover about Jesus somehow in a book. John knew Jesus face to face course you know this but he and all the other apostles heard Jesus speak and they watched him how he lived his life they watched how he conduct, conducted his life they listened to what he taught and they knew that he was real they knew he was not a phantom they knew he was he was the real son of God in human form but be sure that you get this make sure you hear this it was not the physical nearness of Jesus that transformed John's life I don't know about you, but sometimes I've envied people when I read in, in, in the Gospels. I've envied them that they got to walk with Jesus, that they got to sit down and talk to Jesus, that they, they got to see the miracles we read about. Sometimes I, I envy those people, but, but you need to understand something. It was not the physical nearness that changed his life. There are a lot of people who were physically near Jesus in his day. Lots of people who heard him speak, lots of people who watched what he did, lots of people who who uh, saw the miracles and heard what he taught there was lots of but, but not everybody had their life changed by him yet they were physically near him they didn't have their life changed but John and the apostles and of course many other people but John and the apostles the thing that changed their lives was not that they were physically near Jesus the thing that changed their life was their faith in Jesus Christ as the son of God interesting isn't it you and I have that same opportunity We have the same opportunity to place our faith and experience Jesus just like John did. And in fact, that's why he wrote the letter that he writes. We may have read these verses previously, but it it would do us well to read them again. Open your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 verse 3. Somebody, I'm going to ask for your participation tonight in several different ways. So somebody read 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. Somebody else look up 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. We're going to jump in together and talk tonight. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. Who will read that one for us? All right. Yes, John said, I, listen, I'm writing to you about Jesus because I want you to have fellowship with us and more importantly, I want you to have fellowship with him. I want you to experience what we've experienced, all right? Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. What, so i read that one. Absolutely. I'm writing to you because I want you to know the Lord Jesus, and have the certainty that you know him. It's kind of interesting to me that this man who wrote so long ago, who had the privilege of being physically near Jesus, he said, but I'm writing to you so that you will know him too, so that you will know him personally. So, as John writes out his letter, He does some unique things that we really don't see in the other letters of the New Testament very very much. One of the things that makes John's letter so unique is the comparison and contrast that he uses. Now, I'm going to be writing a lot of stuff tonight. If you take notes, if you like to take notes, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to take notes on. And we're going to be doing some participation stuff. But one of the things that makes the the letter of 1 John unique is the way that he uses comparison and and contrast. For example, you'll see John more than one occasion, several times in the book, you'll see John talk about light and what do you think he contrasts that to? Darkness. As you're reading through 1 John I would challenge you just that even tonight as we're going to be reading in a few moments we're going to essentially try to read the whole book I don't know if that's going to be possible but we're going to try. I want you to look for this concept of this This uh, contrast of light and darkness. He also contrasts love and what would the other be? Hate. You'll see John talk a lot about love and hate. Also, he'll talk about truth and lies. Exactly. He will talk about life and you're getting it. And then he will talk about, this is interesting, he will talk about saying, that you say certain things, but he will contrast that with doing. That it's one thing to say something, it's quite another thing to do it. All right. So, on Wednesday nights we're doing a spiritual gift uh, training time, and this Wednesday night is our last night, by the way, for the spiritual gifts course, so just a reminder, come back for that. But on Wednesday nights we're doing a spiritual gift training, if you were to give John a spiritual gift inventory, of the, if you've been in that class, of the nine spiritual gifts, which one do you think would be his dominant gift? Who said prophecy? Prophecy, absolutely. Prophecy. In fact, I, help me, the, the number on the scale goes up to how high does it go? What was the number? Do you remember? Yeah, I, I am so... You're the one that always keeps me on track. All right, somebody, was it 24, 22? What is it? 24. All right, if John were to take the spiritual gift inventory and the highest you could get on that would be 24, John would score 30. For John, there is no gray area. That's why he uses this idea of contrast. I need a different marker. You can't see that probably very well, can you? That's why he uses this idea of contrast, because there is no gray area with John. It's either this or it's that. You're either here or you're not. You're either in or you're out. For John, it's very clear cut. For John, it's that you're either in light or you're in darkness. You're walking with God or you're not walking with God. You're either walking in truth or you're not walking in truth. You're either living and loving or you're not loving. John is so clear in his teaching it's interesting how he weaves this idea of contrast throughout, throughout his letter. And then, I'm not going to write this on the board, but there's one other aspect before we start digging into the letter. There's one other aspect that makes John's letter so unique. Not only the idea of contrast, but also the idea of repetition. John repeats himself a lot. He repeats certain words and phrases a lot. It's as if he understands. It's as if he's been a pastor a long time, and he understands. You can't just tell him once. you got to tell him, then tell him that you told him, then tell him that you told him that you told him, and tell him that you told him that you told him. You're going to tell him, and tell him that you told him you told him. You're going to tell him, and you'll tell him again tomorrow. John repeats himself so many times through this letter. Let me just give you an example of, of, of about four different phrases. These are some of the big ones. There's, there's a lot of them. There's a long list of them. I'm not going to give you the whole long list, but just four words or phrases. For example, in this letter, 1 John, only five chapters long, he talks about the words remain, continue, or abide, essentially all the same words, remain, continue, or abide. He uses that word or that phrase 24 times in this letter. Remain, continue, or abide, over and over and over. He talks about the Son, like the Son of God, 22 times in this letter. He uses the phrase to know. We want you to know this. He uses the phrase to know 40 times in five chapters. He uses the phrase love or to love 46 times in five chapters. So some of the things that make this letter unique is this idea of compare and contrast, this idea of repetition of words. But the other thing that makes this unique, and this is where I, re- where I really want to land for the rest of the time tonight, another thing that makes this letter unique is the idea of amplification. We talked about this a little bit on the very first night that we started First John. Amplification. Amplification is the idea of taking a basic theme and repeating that theme throughout the letter in one way or another. John takes three basic themes and weaves them through this letter of five chapters. And he repeats these themes over and over and over throughout the letter. Amplification. Now, I'm going to give you the three themes and then we're going to work our way through the letter. Again, this would be a great thing for you to take notes on. There are three key words that John will use, three key ideas or themes that John will use in this letter. One is the idea of incarnation. Incarnation. Now, what does that mean, incarnation? Tell me what that means. What's that referring to? Say it again God in flesh. Who's this referring to when we say God in flesh? Who's this referring to? Jesus. Jesus is God in human form, incarnation. You'll see John talk about this in one way or another throughout the book. You'll see the idea, another word that you'll see is the word sin. John is going to refer to this. I'll show you this in, in a moment. He's going to refer to this again and again and again and again. And then... The, the third theme that you'll see in this book is the word love. Okay? It's going to be fascinating for you if we can get through it to see how John takes these three themes and just keeps going over and over and over and over and over these ideas of the incarnation, of sin, and love. Essentially, this is the essence of the gospel. The incarnation, God sent his son into the world because of sin in our lives to express his love for us and so that we might know his love. And John is going to weave that narrative through this letter over and over and over. The best way for me to prove this to you is just show it to you in the scripture. And, and again, I, I want your participation tonight. So here's how we're going to do this. Um, I'm going to take you folks right here, and you're going to be group number one. Okay? This section and this section. You're going to be group number one. Now, if you don't participate tonight, if you don't talk back to me, we're not going to make it. We, we're just going to flame out. Okay? So I need your participation. So group number one, you're going to be the incarnation group. You're going to read everything in the letter related to the incarnation of Jesus and you're going to explain it to the rest of us. Okay? Group number two, you guys are going to learn about sin. Looks like I got the right group for that one. (laughs) You guys are going to learn about sin. Everything that John says about sin, you're going to read it in the letter. You're going to explain it to the rest of us. Group number three, guess what your topic is? Love. You're going to learn everything that John says about love. You're going to read it for yourself. Then you're going to explain it to the rest of us. And here's the fascinating thing. You're going to watch John go through this letter, and he'll begin his letter talking about incarnation. Then he'll talk about sin. Then he'll talk about love. Then he'll come back again to this topic of incarnation, and then sin, and then love. And watch how he weaves these three themes this letter all right so I'm going to write the references up here Now, here's what I want you to do I've got, I want you to read the assigned text I want you to summarize it in your mind be able to summarize it for the rest of us I want you to find a key verse or verses that would kind of make your case And then I want you to find, if you can, a memorable statement that is something that would, if you had a highlighter, you would mark it in your Bible, or you would circle it or something, it's just, this is just kind of a cool statement that stood out to you. We're going to have to do this quickly, and we need your participation, so here we go. Uh, Any questions before I put up the references? All right, so incarnation group, I want you to, you got the easy text to begin, chapter one, verse verses 1 through 4, short text, chapter 1, verse, the, the sin group, here's your text, a little bit longer, chapter 1, verse 5, through chapter 2, verse 2, alright, the love group, you are chapter, chapter 2, verse 3, through verse 17, Read your text, summarize it, be able to explain it to other people. Look for a key verse that would make your point, and look for a memorable word or phrase that you just thought was kind of cool. You can talk to one another, by the way as you're reading say hey what do you think that means just you you can talk to one another and try to figure it out give you one more minute that's probably not enough time but I'm just trying to make sure we get through the book All right, time's up. Uh, just do it as best you can. This is our first group. This is our, our incarnation group. You had John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Could someone just kind of summarize what that text is all about? Tell us the rest of us, because we didn't read it. <laughs> Miriam? She's sitting beside Barbara. She's learned from Barbara tonight. You can just assign that. All right, Miriam's going to tell us. Listen up. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Jesus came. He was seen. First, Jesus came. He was seen. He was touched. He was heard. He had a human body. Very good. That's the incarnation. Now, is there a certain verse that you really like, a key verse? That's right. Love that verse. Was there any memorable sentences or phrases or anything? For anybody? Oh, yeah. The eternal life that was with God but now has appeared to us. That's good. So here's how John begins his letter. Look up here. Here's how John begins his letter. He begins by making the case that Jesus Christ came. We saw him. We heard him. We touched him. He was real. All right, now, here's the second group, the sin group. You had chapter 1, verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. Tell me in the sin group, somebody summarize that text for me. Summarize the text for me. That's right. Yes. Very good. So this one who came, incarnation, he came for our sins, and we, we need to know him, and he forgives us of our sins. And if we say we don't have sin, well, then we're lying, okay? So now, somebody else, a key verse or verses that kind of make the point that Tom just said or, or another point that you saw. Key verse. Yeah, I love that. Not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. When I was reading this text, by the way, when I was just in my personal devotions, uh, in 1 John chapter 1, um, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all Sin. And that word awe, I was looking at it, could be translated every. Every sin. Go ahead, Bart. Uh huh. That's right beautiful statement john's making jesus came he came to be the atoning sacrifice for sin and not just for yours but sins for the whole world now that brings us to the third group you had chapter two you were the love group chapter two verses three through seventeen somebody summarize that for me okay so, so here we get into the, some of this contrast and comparison of saying and doing. Don't just say that you love him, but you actually have to love him. Go ahead. And, and what? Okay, all right, you've known this, you've known this, okay. Somebody else, is a memorable verse or another way that you'd summarize that? Memorable verse or... Yes, absolutely. Anybody else? Key word, phrase, verse. What verse is that? Two ten. Did you have one, Philip? Or Peter? Say that again? Two five? All right, talking about God's love being truly made complete. Now, you guys are starting to get the idea, and so we're going to run to the next section of material that we're going to be looking at. So after John works his way through this section, covering these three themes, guess what? Remember amplification? You go back and and you're talking about it again? Guess what he does? So the last verse that we had, chapter 2, verses 3 through 17... So, in the second round, if you will, uh, chapter 2, verses 18 through 27, that would be this group, chapter 2, verses 18 through 27, he starts coming back to this theme of incarnation. And then, for the the sin group, chapter 2, 28 through chapter 3, verse 10, a little bit longer material, chapter 2, 28 through 3, 10, and then the love group, it's chapter 3, 11 through 24. Chapter 3, 11 through 24. Same thing, read it, summarize it, memorable verse or words. Feel free to talk to one another and figure it out together. All right, I know there's probably not enough time to digest all of that, but we're going to make our best swing at it. Uh, The Incarnation Group, chapters 2, verses 18 through 27. Miriam, who would you like to appoint to be the spokesman for this round? Who? Peggy? She she said, Surely Peggy has figured it out by now. (laughs) So, Peggy, (laughs) can you summarize for us the Incarnation theme? found in chapter 2, verse 18 through 27? (laughs) Or anybody. We just pick on each other. Yes. So here's an interesting thing about this second round as he's doing this amplification. This time as he's talking about the incarnation, he's not trying to prove that Jesus is God in flesh like he did in the verses 1 through 4. This time he's trying to warn you about those who deny that Jesus came in flesh. Those who are antichrists, those who are false teachers, those who are Promoting this, this heresy. So now he's saying, listen, I, I need you to understand. Not everybody believes in the incarnation. Not, all, not everybody believes God in flesh. And, and so he's warning against this idea that people deny the incarnation. Uh, memorable words or phrases. Anybody? I'm c- kind of shortening this a little bit. Mem- memorable words or phrases or verses. What what verse is that? Verse twenty three. All right. Anybody else? That's a good good verse. Anybody else? Say say it for us. Yes, I'm writing these things who are about those who are trying to lead you astray. Lead us astray from what? Lead us astray from believing in the incarnation. All right. So. Notice how he's gone through this once, he's coming back around a second time to the same three themes, and now we come to the theme of sin, chapter 2, verse 28, through chapter 3, 10. Somebody summarize that one for us. Explain that. Yeah. Absolutely. John, again, is so clear-cut. You know, if you don't have the fruit that shows you have that relationship, you don't have that relationship. If your lifestyle is not living up what you say you have, you don't have it. So John's talking again about this concept of sin. This time, he's not talking about necessarily the forgiveness of sin. This time, he's talking about your lifestyle in sin. All right? Any memorable words, phrases, verses for the or Donna? Verse eight. Yes, I, I, I think I mentioned this on a Wednesday night recently. I began to pray that verse. Lord, just destroy the devil's work. That's why Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Very good. All right, third group. Third group talking about love, and your your reference is chapter three, verses eleven through twenty-four. Love is action. There you go. Go go for it. That's great. Yeah, are you all like related or something? Oh, do you? (laughs) All right. So, any other words, phrases, memorable statements that you saw in that text? Another one? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, if you're not in that group, you can't talk about it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right. John makes this case. We call it amplification. John makes the case of. Incarnation, sin, love, and he applies it in different ways. He addresses it, he writes about it in different ways. He's done it once, he's done it twice. Guess what? Incarnation group, here's your text. So we finished chapter 3. Is verse 24 the last version? All right, so we finished chapter 3. Now we go to chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6. And so, what do you think the sin group is going to get? A long one. And you would be wrong. Because, watch what happens. Watch what happens. He jumps the sin theme, and he goes down to this one. Chapter 7, verse 21, he's talking about love. And here's what you'll find in this one, is that he he, not only does he make the case about love, but he ties it in to to the incarnation. Take a time, we're not going to have time to read all these anyway, so I'm just going to give you the rest of this, okay? So notice here that in this section, this round of the amplification, he doesn't address necessarily this concept of sin. But now we're coming around for the fourth time to these same themes. This time, the incarnation, we go to chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, he, he ties it in to the sin and he ties it in to love. He makes the case up here that Jesus is in the flesh, but he also applies it to the areas of sin and love. And then in chapter 5, verse 13 through 21, he finishes the book talking about sin so he skips it here but he comes back and finishes the book talking about sin and he ties what he says about sin into the incarnation so that if you look at that you can see that john is helping us understand really the essence of the gospel and how it applies to our lives John would say to you and me tonight, listen, I'm not interested in what you know. I'm interested in what you do. And we want you to know Him, John would say. I want you to know Him. But if if you're not living like you know Him, then you probably don't know Him. John has that gift of prophecy, I believe. He's speaking black and white, no gray areas. And he says there's three areas I want to make sure you get. The incarnation, Jesus is God in flesh. Don't you let anybody lead you otherwise. Sin. Sin is real. You have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. Jesus came to solve our sin problem. And if you'll confess your sins, he'll forgive you of every sin. You can't live in sin and say you live in Jesus. Those two things are not compatible, John would say love the reason we have the incarnation the reason he died for our sins is because God loves you more than you can ever imagine and I want you to experience that love and you have the obligation to love others like God's loved you and if you're not willing to love others like God has loved you you haven't experienced the love God has for you John's an old time preacher he doesn't cut him he doesn't pull any punches he just tells you like it is and notice how he ends the book. How he ends the book. John, 1 John chapter 5. Verse 20. And we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. Watch this. This is highlighted in my Bible. And we are in him who is true, even his son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God and eternal life. Then, a strange way to end the letter. I would have put the period there and said, end the letter. Then he ends the letter with this verse Dear children, keep yourself from idols. He ends with an application why remember he was writing to people who lived in and around ephesus where there where idolatry was rampant and people who were being influenced by this concept of gnosticism which was a form of idolatry john says listen i want you (laughs) i want you to make sure don't just know this stuff i want you to live it keep yourself from idols because all of that stuff is a lie and god is true All of that stuff is dead and God is life. Keep yourself from idols because he is the true, eternal, living God. Don't turn to a substitute for God. We can have a relationship with Jesus. Amen?